Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of Relating to DevSecOps, where we explore the development, security, and operational issues of today so that we can talk about real-world software problems with people that face them. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, and leave feedback wherever you curate your podcast so we can bring content that matters to you. And on that note, thank you so much to our very first reviewer to take that advice. Indian yes. Connection, uh, we really appreciate the kind words and are, are glad you took the time to listen to us. And we hope that you are having as much fun listening as we do making these. And uh, it was really nice to to get that feedback. Uh, You're awesome as and always, thank you. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm joined by Simon, who you've heard, our resident product engineer and host representing development today in our bout on unit testing. Um, but before we get to that, just a few small announcements. Uh, we're slightly behind schedule and apologize for the lack of content so far, but um, I've been preparing because I will be speaking at LastCon 2021 this week and uh, been knee deep in updating a Simpsons themed part two of Cloud Chaos, if you've ever caught that talk. Um, if you're interested in that, you should definitely uh, uh, head out if you're if you're there and comfortable. Otherwise, I'm sure it'll eventually be up on YouTube if you want to check that out. But uh, I'll be joining Mike McCabe and we'll be taking you through a journey of four finance companies from big banks to blockchain. Um, and similar to this podcast, we're going to be digging into some real world scenarios. So it's uh, not for the faint hearted, but we protect all names of the innocent uh, in that as well. Uh, so hope to see you there. Uh, give me a shout out if you're if you're around. Um, so without further ado, let's get into unit tests. Uh, Simon, we've talked a bit about unit tests before um, in our general testing episode way back, episode eight, uh, for those that are counting. And I'm wondering if we can just focus on one aspect of that today in um, security and development or uh, engineering unit tests. Uh, so what I want to get from you is the sort of um, engineer brain of when someone says, you know, we're writing unit tests, or we're going to be using unit tests. What does it mean to you? What drives that? Um, because we talk about security unit tests, which I do want to get into, but um, I don't think For anyone sure. really knows how to start uh, with that. I, w I won't say anyone, but I, I feel like a lot of people struggle with starting security unit tests. So let's just go back to the basics. What's a unit test? What is a unit test? Um, yeah, no, hello, glad to be back. Um, well, to me, I think the the humble unit test is the very baseline level of faith you can have in your application. Um, and it says it in the name, it tests a unit, it tests a small piece of code, it doesn't test an entire workflow, it doesn't uh, call actual APIs and and you do anything real that persists to a, a database. It's all uh, hypothetical and it's made for you to be able to test things in isolation um, and abstract uh, your your validity of your code base the same way you would the rest of your code. Um, and it is a it's a it's a, a building it's a building block. It's a stepping stone. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, how do I start? I, I think a lot of people say do test-driven development. I, I think that's a great practice. I don't know if it's always feasible, especially if you're new to unit testing. I think it's nice to have code to test off of. Um, but yeah, it is a, it's a way to help you sleep at night uh, if you're an engineer uh, as you, you deploy your code and your code gets more complicated. Got it. And so can you, uh, you know, for the, for the audience, like if I was going to, 
um, write a unit test, like what's an example of one, you know, or like, what is a common unit test you find yourself writing or what, uh, you know, what, do you, what drives a particular type of test to be written? Um, yeah. Examples would be great. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, couple that come to mind. Um, and, and again, I think this is where like personally, I feel like people start to get iffy on what is a unit test and what's not, but Things like uh, this client should return an error if so-and-so parameters are passed to this method or uh, when I, you know, call this with a string, the string will get manipulated in a certain way or I would like this this object to get, uh, you know, certain features are added or uh, when this list is passed in, it will come back sorted, Um, you know, the it's endless. And, and the reason why I say that I think it can get iffy is I mentioned things like errors coming back and, uh, you know, maybe you're looking for like uh, and some sort of auth response coming back. I, I don't think a unit test should be doing any of that stuff for real. Uh, I, I think it should be as isolated as possible. And I think that's where unit testing can get tricky for some people. Um, if you're building unit tests in a way that that's not the case, I need to I think you need to reevaluate uh, how you're testing your software. So when you say, um, so can you try to pinpoint like what you mean when you say um, that kind of unit test? What what differentiates really like what you consider a unit test versus maybe your disagreed version of a unit test? <laughs> uh, I think it comes down to whether or not you are validating business logic or you're validating something about the the ecosystem of your code. So. Again, I think object manipulation, um, you know, deletion to an extent, uh, stuff like that is very uh, business logic oriented. When X happens, I want this to change or this to come back or, you know, this event to be triggered. Um, I think when it comes to things beyond that, where I'd like to make a call to a database and there's an actual like write that happens, I think that gets tricky because a unit test should have no no side effects. It should have no uh, impact on anything once the test is complete. Um, and it, it shouldn't like be quote unquote live. So I think that's where people start to blend the confusion between unit tests and other types of tests. So... Um... If someone was going to try to do that kind of test, is that would you basically you would be more on the side of creating the objects that you're going to interact with during the test as opposed to interacting with some database in the back end or a live system. So if you're like sort of doing some unit test against the user record or user object that you're creating that as part of the test as opposed to interacting with something in the database that's going to change with every test. Exactly. Yeah, you should. Yes, you should have confidence that what you're testing is that small little piece. And if there is other pieces of your code that are outside of this, you should be confident that those are not affected. That's not what you're trying to test. And I think what are you trying to test is the big thing here. Not necessarily does all of my code work at the same time. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I thought I was going to disagree with you, but I agree with that. Um, (laughs) Fair enough. So I would say that like... um, one of the things I, I sort of tied into when you started talking about this was um, you mentioned, you know, a client, if a client tries to to log in and they, you know, put the wrong username or password, it should return an error. Or uh, when I call a specific um, um, endpoint with a, uh, a, a list, it should come back sorted. You use those kinds of uh, ways mm-hmm. to describe it. And those sound very much like requirements to me. So 
like what is the difference between say a unit test and a, like when you're describing it and the set of requirements that it's testing against? I think they're actually really close. Um, and I, I think it's okay for a, a unit test to be, to be a requirement. Again, you're, you're trying to have requirements at like the most microscopic level that you possibly can in this situation. So, you know, if you can call a singular method that does one specific thing, that's awesome. It may be part of a larger set of requirements, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, that's that's actually a good way to to kind of frame your first set of unit tests is they, they're validating what you've been asked to build. Got it. So if I, so for security engineers, look, you know, listening to this, um, if I'm seeing user stories, uh, those would be reasonable. It would be a reasonable expectation that there would be a unit test for a particular user story. If a user story uh, template is followed and is not actually a task or actually something else or actually some larger epic um, that's written in the description of a Jira ticket called a user story. Um, we won't get into uh, <laughs> that uh, sort of uh, mindset, but hopefully um, if you are able to write a user story around something, you should be able to write a... Uh, a test case around it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think a lot of, without diving too too deep into specific languages, I know there are a few languages like like Ruby that provide libraries that allow you to write tests in this way. Where um, you know, I I don't know if this is necessarily a great practice, but I've seen you know product managers write essentially a header of a unit test as an X, I would like Y to happen and, and Z to be the outcome and just have that and then let the engineer, the, the tester, actually fill out the test. And what's great about that is you're turning the same sort of acceptance or criteria that you have for your product as a part of your test. And it's like literally one-to-one. -one. Got it. Um, that makes sense. So um, I feel like I'm grilling you now, but the, so <laughs> if, if I was going to shift this a little bit and, and think about like, all right, um, if you were, if you were talking to, uh, someone on the security side of the house and they're like, look, you know, I want to write some security unit tests. Do you have anything that immediately jumps to mind that you're like, you know what it would be a good security unit test is this, you know, just like off the top of your head, or maybe you're already writing a unit test that you sort of reframe in your head as, oh, that's probably security related. First thing that comes to mind for a security test is probably data validation um, just in terms of how you're passing your objects through your methods and if they're being um, they're clean the the thing that I think for me is the hardest part about writing unit tests that are security centric is there's and, and maybe I'm wrong please correct me but I, I always get this feeling of I don't trust this until it actually hits like a real system and I can feed it through and I can either see like something malicious happening, some data getting messed up. And, and maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong, but with unit tests, I always feel like it's not like quite there. It's almost like I'm like kind of halfway getting to something that's giving me faith that this, you know, security threat or the security policy is actually remediated. Would you agree with that? I, I don't know. It feels weird saying out loud, but that's how I feel. No, I mean, I think that it's a it's part of a good testing strategy overall. So I think, you know, if if we took security versus engineering testing out of the equation, I think that good testing practice has multiple layers of tests. So you wouldn't have just unit tests or just SAST or just DAST or just a pen test, even though 
there are a lot of folks that feel like all we need is a pen test and we're good. Mm-hmm. Um, and where I like unit tests and where I think it's really powerful is you, you sort of have this mechanism to test, like you said, isolated areas where you want to make sure um, certain controls are in place. And the reason I was asking you all these questions is, you know, we, we've talked a lot about security requirements and shifting left and user stories and abuser stories and how to um, interact in, in sort of an agile world and develop security requirements. And we've talked about SAST and DAST and automating them and how some organizations really get stuck when they look at SAST and DAST because it's like the, the things that are so known, uh, they're deployed, they have a bunch of false positives and false negatives. Um, they have a, a ton of results you have to work through, but it's almost like you have substance there. And so it's easy to, it's tangible. Uh, whereas unit test is like, there's no real guide that says, you know, here's like some sample code of a unit tester, right? Because as you said, I think, and this is the key for me is that it's really, it's really built around the business logic of the application. You know, you mentioned that, you know, when you're separating business logic from, you know, you talked about interacting with, uh, you know, state of an object or interacting with a database or changing, um, something that is supposed to be, um, like a source of truth or is external to the test itself. Uh, and I think that we on the security side need to think through that as well. Like what is the business logic that we're going to, um, need to worry about. And the best part about unit tests is that SAST and DAST do not have like the contextual awareness or the awareness of the application itself to be able to test for those things. So those are, those are where I think unit tests can be really powerful is like, um, in these use cases that are specific to you and what the application actually does. So uh, there's a lot that goes into that for me. Like, can I write security unit tests off of abuser stories, security requirements, threat models, uh, controls that I expect to work, things like that. Um, I don't know. Does that answer sort of your I, I, th- I think questions? so. I mean, when, when you say you have a hard time, like getting to the point where you can write a, a unit test from that perspective, do you mean more because you're looking at it holistically from like a application and a request, not necessarily what we described as the business logic, which I agree. That's the foundation of what most unit tests are going to cover since you don't have full access to that. Is that where you think the limitation is? I think that in security, unless you're coming from an engineering background, you're not really, um, there's not a lot of focus on writing tests. And so I think that security folks are used to looking at code, reading code, evaluating code, pointing out problems in code, um, but aren't necessarily always there to write the code or write the test because it's just not something that they're used to doing. And we've talked about this before, but they're also potentially operating in a bunch of different languages. So when it comes to your testing framework, you know, are you using something that is generic across all the languages that you're using? Or are you using something that is uh, like um, specific to each language? Like you're using, like you mentioned, Ruby has these, you know, libraries that you can use. Well, you know, if you are writing tests in Ruby and you're used to doing that, like how do you make sure that that test is consistent across all of the applications? Because you're probably going to be writing very similar things. Um, good example is like, um, if I was thinking about crypto and mm. I needed to make sure that when, I don't know, you tell me if this is a good unit test, 
But when a uh, user is created and saves their password, that it's converted to the appropriate hash type. Right? Um, kind of. I mean, seems- again, that, but there's so much going on in what you just said that it's hard to encompass that as, as a unit test. I mean, I, I could say, like, have a test that makes sure, like, hashing is right. Cool. Like, that's one piece. User creation, I mean, there, there's a lot going on there. Like, I would unit test to make sure that, you know, you're not generating the same idea as another user and all of these other name validation things and account validations. But, like, the, what you just said to me in terms of what you're focusing on as I would like to test this as a security practitioner is not a unit test. It's something a lot bigger than that. Yeah, so I think that that's sort of the struggle where we, so you're right, right? So like if I had to break that down, the way that I'm thinking of it is that how how I'm going to interact with the application and what it is, the action that the user is going to be taking is creating the user, but you're right. That needs to be broken up into a bunch of different unit tests, which is like, how is that, you know, it, it does the name fall into the appropriate char- character set? Um, is, the, is the password hashed into the appropriate hash? Is the address in the appropriate format? Is the, you know, all of these things that are like the test cases that you're writing. And so we have to sort of step back and think about like the granularity in which we want to operate. And one of those is that when passwords are saved, that they are um, saved with the appropriate hash or that the appropriate, you know, that something is hashed correctly. Um, so if I was looking at that, right, um, I can be sure that every time the you know password saving method is called on the back end, that it's going to be hashed in the unit test. And I can sort of be reasonably sure that it's always going to be hashed as long as that method is used. Now, what's interesting is if I'm able to make that call on the unit test side and I can verify that on the unit test side, then on the SAS side, I can look for any time uh, that method is called and then any time user is saved without that particular method. Or if somebody's trying to like you know manually save the user, or any time that that um, you know I can I can use that certain control of uh, that I've been that I've created a unit test for, and make sure that that uh, is always used when that user is created. Uh, and I can check for that on the SAS side as a vulnerability. I can I don't have to say hey this isn't hashed. I can say hey you didn't use the method. I don't know, does that, that make makes sense? sense. No, yeah, it does make sense. I I don't know, I don't know how like realistic that can be implemented. And I, I I agree with the fact that you mentioned you know so many different languages, different applications, different things you're dealing with. But in 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 all honesty, most unit tests are written post you know delivery and post launch in a way that's not really. Uh, I and again, this is purely from from my previous experience, not necessarily from a security standpoint. But they're they're written in such a way that's uh kind of retroactively trying to like fix a very specific niche thing where your example is like I want to make sure that these passwords are hashed the right way in general period like across the board where unit tests on my side are usually there's this weird instance where if this field is not passed correctly or if it's blank something breaks so my test is going to say that I handle blank blank strings or blank fields and like you kind of build upon that with other tests like integration tests to validate that the actual logic is there and like the full flow of what you're trying to accomplish is working but that's at least my exposure to unit tests is that does that make sense to you sort of um i know it's really weird 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess where would you? Yeah, I mean, it sort of makes sense, I guess. Because uh, because like your 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 like solution doesn't seem to be even like a security test to me anymore. Like they're like just join it. All of those pieces alone don't really accomplish what you're hoping. They're more just validating things that should just like work, you know? Right. So I think that, so this is where it sort of comes down to what kind of security unit tests it's right. Cause the, the way that I sort of break it down in my head is like security unit tests that are validating controls, security controls that I expect to be working. And then security unit tests where I'm basically um, sending bad data and expecting it to fail or expecting to come out with a particular result. So I would love to like use unit tests for both. Like if I know that I have a particular security control, like I expect encryption in a particular place or I expect a um, an input to be validated, right? So I expect that uh, if I put like a bunch of bad characters into my username that it would come back. I guess that's the other side of it. That's more of like the bad input type of deal. Um, so it's it's sort of like, you know, I think that's where we sort of are trying to figure out where and how to write these tests. Because if you look at something like um, the uh, verification standard, the uh, application security verification standard that, and we talked about this previously, gives you these general guidelines on like what to test and what to verify in application security. But again, it doesn't really give you an explicit like, you know, this is the granular thing that you're going mm -hmm. to be writing a test for. Uh, it gives you sort of general guidance of like what level to test these at and uh, what things to look for and how to how to test them um, in the, you know, I'm just picking one out of here, like verify that all sensitive data is identified and classified at a protection levels. Okay, so it's like, you know, what would that look like in your application? You sort of have to dance around the business logic of your app and then you have to come up with those unit tests. And I think that a lot of us just want to see examples of these unit tests. And so it's actually asking us to work, which is the problem. You know? <laughs> so I think that that Got is, em. I think it's like, how do we think about this in a way that lets us rapidly generate these, these tests. And, and to throw a wrench to make things even worse, if we're going to continue about, you know, the using this data validation example, this is where unit tests start to get to the very weird and the very meta, because if you look at how some applications handle stuff like that, you know, you're saying, hey, I I only I only take um let's say numerics as an example for this field. I don't want anything else. I'm worried about like let's say I'm worried about SQL injection or something like that. That's usually handled by an annotation in language. So you've got a request and you just say, this field, numeric only, this request will fail. To test that if you're testing that from an application point of view, you're now testing the language itself and you have to somehow figure out, am I going to test that that annotation has been added to it? Like that's so hard from a unit test perspective. And I think that's where it can get like, I don't know, from your side, it just seems so insurmountable from a, a, a isolated perspective. You really have to look at that big picture. Well, I think that some of it is that we want baselines on critical areas of of code so i don't think that we and i may be shooting myself in the foot here but i don't think that we ever <laughs> expect to have complete security unit testing right i don't think that we're looking to test for every security unit test because for things like sql injection the number of inputs that you're going to have to generate in order to be complete in what you're testing are so massive oh yeah that it's probably better to test for that like through fuzzing or a 
like some sort of uh, penetration testing or DAST scenario where you're able to send a bunch of inputs and see what the unexpected output is going to be. Uh, and it's not really going to give you any true verification of whether or not that control works. So I think that what we've, what we've sort of come around to is that your security unit tests need to be something that are like that you are mostly confident are true. It's not going to be something that you um, necessarily don't test for in other security disciplines, but it is going to be something that gives you a reasonable expectation of security and prevents it prevents you as the engineer from creating a low hanging fruit problem. Like another one that I was sort of thinking of is like, I don't know, would it be appropriate to check for um, headers in a response for a unit test, right? Or like, would it be appropriate to check for the CSP policy or check for the you know protection block? Like things that I know, I know <clears throat> what that value is going to be and it should come with every request. So if I make any request to any endpoint, it should always come back with these things. I, and I love that example so much because the answer is no, in my opinion. Um, you're talking about headers, right? Headers are part of a request, and that request is basically the entry point into your lifecycle. The problem here is you're now asking to validate the data and not the actual code itself because you're essentially telling a unit test, hey, let me just generate data to see what happens if the header is not there. Not necessarily really validating real requests. Like to me, you have to do something more than a unit test to test that because you're essentially just creating fake data to test something that you already know that you're validating in a test that doesn't really validate anything, in my opinion. Well, you'd be validating that the headers are generated by the application. So if the configuration, oh, yeah. if the configure, I can see that, I can see your point if you're using like an Nginx load balancer or something to handle your headers and you're sending a request to the app. I'm sort of saying like your headers should come in the response. Like if you're, if you're configuring your headers in the application, as an example, um, then there is a configuration somewhere that, um, generates those headers that you are configuring within the application configuration. So to me, that would be in the app code. That's that's totally fair. I, I was thinking more along the lines of something like an Nginx call. So yeah, yeah, that should that should totally be be unit tested. And that's something that's easy to to isolate. You just have a request object, check for that header, pass or fail based on whatever conditions. That's that's perfect to me. Got it. And that's now easy that to extend. And that wouldn't work if you are handling your headers externally, right? So it's Exa like, yes, exactly. so this is where it becomes specific to the app, like things you can check headers. Okay. So a security engineer goes, to the app team is like, Hey, we want to check the headers. And you're like, well, we handle those in the load balancer, like, ah. you know? So <laughs> it's, um, so I think that it is contextual to what you're doing. Um, I'm just going to like sort of go through ideas, right? Because, and just get your, your take on them. Cause I'm sure that other folks are going to think of this stuff, but like, um, like file uploads, right? Like if I'm, if I'm uploading a file and you have a handler inside of your application that is uh, supposed to be checking that it is a, is a bad file type, um, then I should be able to send input to that, uh, 
that request object that is a bad file and get a, you know, whatever, a, a, an error code, uh, like a 500 or something, uh, come back to me. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I actually, this is one of those, it depends, I think, in my opinion. Um, I believe golden testing is a, is a form of unit testing. Um, if not, it's, it's, it's pretty darn close. Um, essentially it's just testing with a form of data somewhere. So it's a file or a perceived request of some sort that you kind of feed in, in a, in a, static non live format that runs through code i could see that validating um you know a malicious file or something like that the one the one thing that makes me hesitant to say like a full yes is whenever i hear something like trigger like a malicious file triggering something or something getting saved or something getting persisted and and having that persistence of that file be the real like trigger of the outcome i don't know if it would fully test what we're looking for since a unit test wouldn't again have any downstream impact. It wouldn't have any side effects, any persistence. So could we maybe test like the entry point and say files uploaded, I'm looking for X sort of thing, or I expect maybe a certain library to scan this file and send me back a result. You know, I can kind of fake that response out and act accordingly. Yes. Um, testing the other scenario where going further down the path, that file made it through and there's something that we expect to happen. I don't know if that's that's reasonable for a unit test. I, I see where you're going with that. So um, I think this would come back to like making sure that your requirements are clear. Because if your requirement is that when in when a file is uploaded, uh, it is forwarded to the whatever AV scanner and is scanned, that's probably not a unit test. But if it is like if a um, file is uploaded and converted to a, a blob, and we have the detection mechanism in that controller. Um, that it is not the correct file type, um, then that should definitely be in the unit test because you are detecting it like within the within the logic of the app itself. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like, hey, we don't accept these content types or uh, I'm not going to pull and read files that have been deemed as malicious. Like those are all things that are are perfect for unit testing. But unfortunately, yeah, in the in the full breadth of things, you have to go a little bit beyond that if you want to test more. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, all right, more scenarios. So, what if um, what if it was like you know I'm I don't know what's a what's like your favorite sample application with users? My favorite uh, sample. I don't even understand. You know, the like <laughs> like somebody's like, hey, you know, I'm gonna write in a new language. Here, you're gonna go write your your blog. You know, it's like a blog or something. So your blog has users. Love it. It's like, you know, so if I'm, here's, here's like a, uh, like an, the, the standard blog scenario. If I'm user Ken and I'm trying to, and I'm starting to write stuff, I shouldn't be able to like access, you know, Simon's drafts in private, um, you know, or edit them or anything like that. So it's like, I shouldn't be able to make an edit call to like your, um, your in draft blog post. Right. Mm. So that's something that I could probably put in the unit test where it's like, uh, you know, here's a here's a blog post that belongs to user A. Here's a blog post that belongs to user B. User A tries to access user B's um, thing that should always fail. I love that. That's a, that's a good one. I mean, maybe worth breaking up into a few things and abstracting a little bit because that has a lot of functionality. But yeah, if you if you set up your testing framework to be 
clean enough where your data is generated. You know, I can generate user Ken that's fake and generate user Simon and send those in and, and give an understanding that, hey, I'm in, you know, Ken's session right now. So anything that's involving another user should be blocked or there should be an error. Absolutely. Um, again, like, I, I think that's a good example of something where you may want to consider, like, again, breaking it up or maybe running an integration test because there's a lot going on. Again, unit tests are made to be small, concise, test a single functionality. Um, mm. But I think it's possible. Yeah, definitely possible. Okay. What about things that are like server related? So like if your application is generating um, like a web server on a specific port, right? Like, uh, you know, application frameworks are going to have things like, you know, Node's going to have Express, like Golang's going to have like a gRPC server or something like that. Like what is, um, is it an appropriate unit test to be like, hey, you know, I'm, I have a listener on 8080, uh, and I'm trying, and I try to connect to the server on nine thousand. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely write a test for that. I think the only thing when you're talking about server-related things is just your unit test should be guaranteed that the connection is imaginary and open, or imaginary and closed, and you know exactly what sort of response you're supposed to be getting. That that is all fake. That should all be stubbed out in some way that you know will be consistent. But other than that, it's it's a great great form of unit testing. Okay, cool. Any security tests coming to mind as we're going through it? Because we're coming up in thirty minutes, you know, and I'm just I'm just spitballing here, throwing stuff out. <laughs> um, I I just love. Uh, I don't say I love. I actually despise this a lot, but I'm always <laughs> nervous of people uh, persisting any production data. Um, or like having it saved somewhere or set somewhere unencrypted. So those are the tests that come to mind for me. Um, just making sure that, you know, all, like if things are getting encrypted, they're getting encrypted everywhere and validating that, that like that call actually happens. That's breaching a little bit into more test coverage than um, than actual unit tests. Just making sure that if you do have conditional branches and data is being passed around, that it's being treated the same way everywhere. Um, well, yeah, that's that's a that's a big one for me that comes to mind that I think is super important. So when you have data that comes in that needs to be encrypted and it hits the controller and the controller is in, is encrypting it or the logic is encrypting it, I mean, that feels like something that you can write a test for. I think we sort of covered that before. So what is the what is the difference there for you between like making sure that a hash is correct and making sure that something is encrypted? I, I think they're the same except for how deep your your method calls go. That's where I think I get a little bit scared about relying on unit testing is, um, you know, just depending on how how many things are going on underneath, making sure that if you verified at the top level that, okay, yes, this is encrypted, this is hashed, that goes all the way down. Um, so, yeah, that could involve writing a unit test at every single layer, every single step. Um, it just still even doing that like makes me uneasy. Like I, I would just go straight to that integration test and say, rip the bandaid. I don't want to mess with this. Um, I just feel like in those situations, unit tests are more, more reactive than proactive. So it might, it might not always be the best case. So it sounds like our next episode needs to be the difference between unit tests and integration tests and when to use one versus the other. Because to me, um, the unit testing that you're talking about, like you, you sort of are like, 
I want to break it up into the most granular pieces possible and test that functionality. But that might not be how everyone looks at a unit test because they're looking at it at like the first layer, right? And I think that so many frameworks right now are so abstracted. Like you get into something, you know, we'll go back to the Ruby example, get something like Rails, like your unit tests are not going to go all the way down the stack and like test every every little piece across your method calls. It's going to test like that call in the controller or that active record call or, you know, something along those lines, right? Yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, I think the one thing we didn't talk about is it's also like the nature of what software and application you're working on. Like if you have a super crazy state machine that like has all of these rules and it's going to spit out something based on something, you're going to have a lot of unit tests about business logic and you're going to want to break that up into the smallest piece. If you're dealing with something that's more, uh, you know, let's say like a CRUD system, you probably want to have as many of those intricate unit tests. You're definitely going to have some for saying, you know, the update fails, I want to know about it, or if, you know, I need this field to be present and stuff. But yeah, we can definitely talk about integration tests because I would prefer that for that second system. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so that'll be it. I mean, I think that if you wanted to start at that outer layer, you could always look for like uh, server codes or response codes. Exactly, exactly. So that's always like a safe place to start unit tests. Like even if you don't expect a particular type of response or a particular type of error, you could always at least understand like there's a finite set of response types you can get and if you have like a standard that like when this input is sent if there's an error like this should come back then you know that if i have like something malicious in there that it should never be a 200 right so you could do something like that where it's you might not be looking like oh i want it to error out in this particular way and i want the data to be handled in this particular way and i want to go down this stack but you can say like the user is going to see this error yeah and, and and on the other side is if you've got codes that you know don't exist, have a test for that. Like if you don't expect them to show up, have that test that when that changes, like you know and you're you're um you're aware of it. Just so everything's covered. Cool. Well, I mean, we we got into it with some unit tests, so we're we're <laughs> we're healthy on time here. Um anything you wanna close out with before we turn it into a second episode on integration testing, because I feel like we are fast approaching that. And we have a we can have another forty minutes or so on on that topic. Yeah, I mean, I know we we kind of went into some scenarios, got a little bit uh, in in debate mode for a little bit, but uh, I know I just like to stress that I'm I am a one product engineer. I don't think there is a a a perfect answer for this. I've seen, uh, you know, I know we've talked about in the past mocks used in a very crazy way, sometimes used in a great way, but. Um, just you know know what's best for your application uh i i love you know passing suggestions i'd love to hear feedback from folks on if they agree if they disagree if they have their own version of unit testing that we didn't cover um and that's about it well i mean you do mention mock so one of the things that uh the mike is going to talk about in that uh in that talk is uh unit well testing with sentinel on terraform uh, and that is all about the mocks, man. So you pull all the mocks down from your you know, from your infrastructure deployment because there is no app per se, right? It's just like the deployed infrastructure. So Terraform has this concept of a state. And so you need to have something to run your tests against. But that's the thing, right? You do have like those mocks and everything that you run is like based on a specific set of inputs and a specific state um, and understanding that everything's going to end up a specific way here is your test, here is your like fail case and here is your pass case. Or here, here's your set of fail cases and here is your pass case, knowing that all the inputs are good 
versus knowing that like one or two of the inputs might be bad or whatever. But you're still not going to be able to predict exactly how that's going to end up, like whether somebody got got really creative with Terraform or you know you didn't you didn't right. consider one of these cases. So there is still the integration test and there's still the the future testing, but it gives you some sort of reasonable baseline that you're not going to run into this like low hanging fruit problem of like not meeting your requirement or not meeting a particular um, security test that you're you're looking for. So. Um, yeah, maybe we can get into, maybe we can do that integration tests, unit tests, and then we can look at applying tests to infrastructure as code. Love it. Love All right. It. I think we have the path for this new found series we've just generated on the fly. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, we can close it out there. Any any final words before uh, before we close out? Just Just happy testing. Happy testing. All right. That's a good one. Well, look, thanks everyone again for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, as always, please like, subscribe, send us feedback, uh, especially if you're enjoying what you hear. We like the good feedback uh, the best. Um, but until then, <laughs> we'll see you next time.